Hey, welcome back to the Unstoppable Freedom Podcast. I'm Jimmy Page. This is part two of our podcast with guest Doug Giles. This segment continues our conversation about biblical masculinity and how we're born to be bold and free, and that we're made to have a profound and righteous effect on our government, our schools, and our culture. Here we go. Well, and you know, we're seeing it too. And I want to sit on this topic for a minute because it's one of those areas that really burns me up. You know, I've been showing up at school board meetings. We've been motivating and mobilizing people to show up at school board meetings to contest this. And here's what I found. And you know this to be true. What I found is that 90% of the people in that room at these school board meetings are the moms or the mama bears. I mean, they are in force. They are there. They've got a chip on their shoulder. Nobody's going to hurt their kids. They're speaking it plain. Now, I will say there are more and more men showing up at these things. But but it is it's disappointing at the least. You know, I stood at a meeting with 90 guys uh, several months ago and told them what was going on in our schools and started to expose some of this stuff. And I said, if all 90 of us would show up at the school board meeting, 90 men, and we would have a problem with what's being taught in the school, maybe some, maybe we would get their attention. And you know how many showed up? Maybe three. Yeah. Again, you know, and then they probably chest thump and, yeah. and talk about, you know, being Billy Badass and stuff like that. But when push comes to uh, shove yeah. in pertinent uh, times like you're talking about, yep. those kind of uh, meetings, then you got to rock up. You got to yeah. say something. So tell me, it's a, this is a really interesting dilemma we're facing, right? Because most pastors will not actively engage in these controversial moral issues. Are, are they afraid uh, will are they worried that it's going to split the church? What is going on so that they're not engaging in the moral issues of the day? Because when our country was founded, that's all they talked about. They talked about it all the time. Yeah, they're afraid. Um, they don't want to lose their five hundred one c three, so they've been cowed into some kind of uh, mm. false complicity. Uh, and who cares if you lose your five hundred one c three? The church predates our federal government. You can mm. exist. Yeah. without their approval or not. Mm. And uh, you have to pay taxes on your hot dogs or property. So what, man? Right. It's, uh, it's called freedom. Yeah. So I prefer the freedom aspect of the way that we're constituted uh, versus the, the one that is conducive yeah. to fear and being monitored and stuff. So you got that. Yeah. And uh, I would say that that's a big time thing. And also, you know, you might have some uh, Democrat Democratic uh, people in the congregation mm. don't want to lose that tithe money because yeah, that's yeah. that's leasing your mistress's BMW uh, when you go visit her in L.A. and stuff. So yeah. anyway, um, yeah. it's it's really sad, man. I think uh, a big reason that they they do this kind of junk like mm. in COVID, yeah. you know, you got Mary McCheese, close your church down. Yes. You know, yes. Uh, what was it? Flatten the curve. It's only going to be two weeks. I said yeah. they're going to. They're going to keep this thing going for as oh, long yeah. as they can, at least two years, man. Two years. And boom, I was right. Well, so, and, you uh, wrote a, and you wrote a book on this. Yeah, Dear Christian, Dear, you're, so, you're so full of This crap. one, this is fascinating. Dear Christian, your fear is full of crap. It's based on 2 Timothy 1.7. Um, talk a little bit about this, because this is, this is going to happen again, right? I mean, this is not, this was a, a dry run of sorts, wasn't it? This isn't the last time we're going to see yeah, these yeah. lockdowns. No, they're just seeing if the the bicycle with wings would get off the ground in Kitty Hawk, you know, they're going to come yeah. around for, for another uh, yes. lockdown because that's what they do. That's mm. their only recourse because their ideas are absolutely yes. untenable. Nobody likes them. They see the disaster that they've 
brought in what 21 you know plus months here yeah. in the United States of liberal acrimony. Mm. So anyway, uh, when I saw when I saw the uh, pastors curl up in the fetal position and wet their big diaper and they start obeying you know Mayor McCheese and bad governors and stuff. Um, I got ticked off, Jimmy. I, you know, I, I live on rage. It really helps my creativity. <laughs> and, uh, and I started, uh, you know, I know the scripture back and forth, you know, up and down, left and right, hmm. uh, six ways Sunday, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, so I, I posited in the first chapter that if, if the pastor out there who shut his hmm. church down became a good stooge of the machine, if he can show me one verse, not seven, not 15, just one, where if a bad cold starts coursing around that Jesus says to uh, stop gathering together in public, stop singing, stop hugging, stop high-fiving, stop greeting each other with a holy kiss, stop worshiping, stop laying hands on the sick, you know, and yes. uh, pretty much all cease and desist all corporate gatherings. If he can mm. show me one place in the scripture where we yes. are called to do that, if somebody gets the sniffles, I'll eat a tube sock because it doesn't exist. Mm. And, yeah. and there were contagions back in Jesus's day. Yeah. Leprosy being a big one. Yes. And in Matthew 8, when uh, the leper comes and asks him to, to heal him, Jesus could have, with his word, go, boing, you know, you're yeah. healed, just like he did the centurion's uh, uh, servant. But with the, with the leper, he touched him, mm. which, again, according to Levitical law, if you touch that leper, you cannot be a priest. Mm. And he's like... Uh, here's what you can do with your law right now. I'm going to give this leper a little TLC. And he touched the guy mm. who had the contagious disease. Mm. And then we look at, you know, all the stupid stuff that pastors did with COVID. Mm. Skip row, sit in families, yeah. wear a dirty oh. rag over your mask. Yeah. I mean, bro, that's that. And, and listen, man, if pastors get back, ooh, well, that was kind of a weird two years. Hey, we're back to normal. Yeah. It's like, you need to repent, man. That's what yeah. you need to do. Yeah. You stop communion, you stop worship, you stop in-person preaching. You need to repent because yeah. that's a sin. Yeah. And the sin that you committed was this thing called cowardice. And number mm. two, you obeyed men instead of obeying God. Yeah. And I've, I've heard all the excuses, yeah. Jimmy. Well, Romans yes. 13, 1 Peter 2 says we're to obey civil magistrates. Mm. You know when we're to, to obey civil magistrates? Mm. When they praise what's good and when they punish what's evil, then we're duty-bound to obey them. Mm. But when the civil magistrate prays what's evil and punish what's good, i.e. freedom, mm. the Constitution, Bill of Rights, Declaration of Independence, then the lesser magistrate, me, you, we're duty bound to rebel against them. Gosh, you, you do realize no one's saying, very, very few people are saying that, right? I mean, there, there's, that's what I love about how you handle scripture is it becomes very, very clear because, you know, you can take anything out of context and and use it for fear. I think I think for me, I said the same thing. I said the longer we don't meet as a body, the less people are going to come back. And you're going to lose all the people that think it was it's ridiculous that we're not meeting. Uh, and then you're going to lose the rest because they're afraid. So you're going to lose twice. And the bottom line is, let's be obedient. Let's get together. And I I remember I've got a great pastor here in Colorado, and we were talking about this as, hey, when do we start meeting again? Because we took a few weeks off because they were trying to figure out what was going on. It was in the early days. And he made a decision. Hey, we're going to we're going to open the doors, you know, that meeting together is important. And uh, and I appreciate his courage, especially when there weren't that many pastors that were doing it. They tried to tell Peter and John, hey, you guys need to calm down with that gospel stuff. Yes. And uh, Peter and John told him to go pound sand. He said, we must obey God rather than men. 
and they went to jail for it. So, uh, pastor, there can be prices paid for obedience. So, man, I love that story too, because it does show the courage of these men. They weren't afraid of being imprisoned. They were, they were going to obey God regardless of the consequences. And that's true integrity, isn't it? Yeah. And they counted it, uh, an honor to suffer for him. Yes. So meanwhile, meanwhile, most pastors are running, trying to do everything in the world not to suffer. And Peter and John's like, put me in the wood chipper. I don't care. Yeah. I'm not going to not speak the truth because Mm. some prefect told me to cease and desist. It's not going to happen. Isn't that really the freest man alive? You know, the one that's not concerned about the consequences for doing the right thing, for obeying God. Isn't that just, I mean, that is freedom. Yeah, when they threaten, uh, you know, Peter and John, all the apostles, uh, Peter and Paul in particular, and John, uh, those guys didn't sweat it. They were already dead. They were dead yes. to the world. They were dead to this life. They weren't trying to become an influencer on Instagram. Mm. They didn't. <laughs> their yeah. whole their whole plan, their whole mission was him and proclaiming his good news. And yeah. you couldn't. That's that's why you had to cut those guys' heads off. Because you might as well try to blow up the sun than to get them to yeah. uh, stand down and shut up. Yeah, it's so good. There is such such a great, there's great clarity, there's great courage when you sit in that place and you're just like, you're not worried about speaking the truth or the consequences of it. And I know that you believe that Christian men need to engage in government, in politics, that, that you know, that there's, uh, government is subject to God, right? God is over all things. And in fact, you say, and you've said it a couple times today, governments are supposed to protect and praise what's good and punish what's evil as defined by the Bible. You know, and I think you mentioned it in your book, not not Netflix. And when government decides that they're not going to do that, that we have this duty in Acts chapter five to disobey that government, to to still continue to speak for the truth. Um, A lot of well-meaning Christians say, uh, well, listen, we got to separate we don't talk about politics. You know, we separate uh, the church from politics. This is election season. And in your in your devotional, you talk about this. I think it's on day 18. Is that I think day 18 is you talk about the issues that we need to care about as believers and how that should inform how you vote. Tell us a little bit about the issues that we should care about from a moral perspective and how that influences our politics. Yeah, the, the, the Christians who say, you know, we're not supposed to, uh, you know, talk about politics and church or the pastors yeah. who say that they're either stupid or they are purposely being a mouthpiece for Satan mm. because the scripture is replete talking about these pertinent issues that, mm. that we're faced with as a nation. If, uh, you know, Hosea 13, 16, Ezekiel 23, 29, if, if you don't think God has uh, a strong opinion on preserving the life of the unborn, mm. then you need to check out those scriptures. Mm. You also need to read uh, Psalm 139, where God talks about how we're fearfully and wonderfully made in the womb and how he knitted us together, you know, in there. So, yes. so that's political, yeah. you know? And so, yeah. so our view of life from the cradle to the grave mm. is a high view of life. And, and we're against, you know, people uh, sucking a baby out of the womb with a vacuum cleaner that's been retrofitted with razor blades. Mm. So you get anybody, I, Jimmy, there's a, there's a big church in, in Austin and everybody's mm. like, this is the coolest church ever. You know, it's got mm-hmm. big screen, skinny jeans, smoke machines, that kind of stuff. 
Um, I talked to this one couple that's been going there for 10 years, and uh, they said they've never heard a pro-life message, uh, ever. I just, how is that possible? Yeah, and, then, and then, then we can just start dogpiling the other issues. Like, are you cool? Do you think Jesus is cool with lawlessness mm. running roughshod uh, in our culture? No, because the one who brings chaos and the one who cheerleads for lawlessness, yes. his name's El Diablo. Mm. And you see him, you know, constantly being exposed and rebuked and, and squashed when yes. God and the church, you know, come yes. into town, yeah. if you will. And uh, then... I like it when I like it when they say, you know, we're not supposed to, you know, Bible doesn't talk about politics, man. We're not supposed to address political issues. And I go, oh, you mean like first and second Kings do mm. those two books are all about political leaders, the good and the bad and the ugly. Wow. So why did the Holy Spirit put that in there if mm. that weren't to influence uh, our our mm. impact on governance and how we if you're going to be a, a leader in government or to righteously rule? And yes. to follow those good examples set forth in the book of First uh, Kings and Second Kings, hmm. it's specious do, man. Yeah. Uh, that's what they're talking about. Yeah. It's it's spiritual sounding gobbledygook, like yeah. you, Jimmy, and Doug, the carnal guys that are concerned yeah. about politics and culture. Yeah, I'll tell you why the uh, culture and politics suck is because the church sucks. Because mm -hmm. culture and politics are downstream of the church. So as the church mm -hmm. goes, so goes culture, and so goes the political realm. Yeah. If we want to really uh, adjust uh, the, the swamp inside the beltway mm. and we want to see the crassness of the culture uh, uh, calm down a little bit, then the church has got to church itself. And we've got to be passionate about God. And we've got to be holistic in, re, uh, in regards to all the things mm. that we teach, not just our little hobby horses that we yeah. like to ride. And when, and, uh, and when the church leadership is silent on these issues, right, how much more silent? Am I going to be, you know, because they're not bringing these issues up. They're not giving me handlebars. They're not giving me biblical tools and truth so that I can be part of the conversation and make a difference. You know, I can go to the Bible and find these issues, you know, whether it's same sex marriage or whether it's talking about immorality and grooming our kids in our schools, whether it's talking about right. using racism to cast out racism, you know, judging people by right. their skin. I can go find all those things. But, man, how cool would it be? If our pastors were equipping us with this information, now I can go to my neighbors, I can go to the schools. Yeah. I'm much more effective. Yeah. And you can tell your neighbors, hey, man, there's a pastor over there that'll address all these issues from a biblical standpoint. Mm. And uh, he tosses in some humor and some great quotes in between. Yeah, exactly. And, that's, well, gonna... and again, what you said, Jimmy, then you, the congregant, yeah. you're freaking equipped. You go yes. out and uh, you do you know, spiritual battle. Uh, at the yes. school board, you do it at the gym, do it at the bar, wherever you go, you're, you're, you are well-equipped, you know, yes. your, your cranium's been shored up, you've got spiritual cojones going on, and now yeah. you're this lethal weapon for Christ, and yes. demons are trembling yes. when you have that kind of uh, uh, special operator walking around. Yeah, I love that. What, what do you say to the, to the spiritual leaders, if you will, or the pastors that say, well, listen, I... I'm just here to speak the gospel, to teach the gospel. That's my mission. It's narrow. This is what I do. This is what I'm called to do. What do you say to them? Yeah, Martin Luther said, if the gospel uh, you're preaching, not you in particular, but the pastor mm -hmm. who would say that, uh, does not touch on the most pertinent, salient issues mm -hmm. of what's going down right in the here and now that your congregation is dealing with, 
then the gospel you're preaching is not a gospel at all. Mm. Uh, again, I think it's I think yeah. it's spiritual sounding gobbledygook, Jimmy. It's like yeah. I'm just preaching the gospel. Yeah. Well, when you go to Matthew 19, when Christ defines marriage, he says between a man and a woman. Have you told your congregation that mm. lately? It's not between mm. a man and a man. It's not between a woman and a woman. It's not between a shemel and a man boy. It's it's God defines it real clear. Jesus said, what God joins together, male and female, biological, by the way, mm. let no man separate that. So, you know, when people say we're just here to preach the gospel, you know, Jesus preached on economics. Moses preached yes. on economics. They touched on uh, raising families. They touched on all kinds of stuff, mm. not just, you know, ask Jesus into your heart, John three sixteen, yeah. And they just stay there all the time. We're called mm. to be as minister to preach the whole counsel of God. Mm. And uh, that yes. those things affect the church, the family, and the state. And for the Christian not to do that, my advice to those pastors, just quit. Just leave the pulpit. Let's get some guy in there that that is not afraid. He's not, you know, yeah. got spiritual sounding balderdash to hide behind and stuff because he doesn't want to get into the culture wars and stuff. Just yeah. quit. Be a counselor. You know, go hold some old ladies' hands. Do something like that. Yeah, and you said it early on. You said that that the real courage today is is the men and women that are willing to stand up and speak for truth. And I think that, right, because everything's a lie now. I mean, almost everything you hear from major media or from politics, it's, it's a stunner. Like they're, they're calling reality not real right before you. You're telling me that what I'm seeing isn't actually something I'm seeing and it happens all the time. And so to be a truth teller, to be someone that's courageous and bold in that, that's going to be a difference maker. Yeah. And again, that's, that's why we need prophets and not puppets. I've got a mm. new book. Uh, coming out that I'm working on right now. That's uh, <laughs> you think the other ones are hot. This one, this one has no stop sign, no speed limits, nothing <laughs> in it. Cause I, I really think uh, Jimmy, that we need to get the prophetic voice back into the pulpit. I think there's a famine for the word of God. There's yes. a, there's a black hole of leadership. Mm. Uh, the professional uh, preachers and the seminary puppy mills have, mm spit out guys with, like I said, that, that are terrified of their own shadow. Yeah. Solomon said that if you're righteous in Christ, you're bold as a lion. I've hunted yes. lions uh, three times in Africa. I've got one right behind me right there. And uh -huh. uh, that'll leave memory burn, uh, big dog, guaranteed. This Dude. thing came to kill us. He, uh, I shot him about 10 yards away. Is he coming in full charge? Jeez. And uh, harrowing. But here's the thing is that, Solomon, there's there's three quarters of a million words in the Verbum Day, and mm. Solomon plucks out of the ether by inspiration of the Holy Spirit and says, if you're really righteous, then mm. you're going to be like that cat. Wow. You're going to be bold as that lion. Yes. You're not going to be a quail. Yes. You're not going to be, you know, a, a tufted titmouse, you know? Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> you're going to be bold as a lion. He said, the only people who are terrified, mm. it's the wicked. The wicked yes. flee. Yes. When nobody pursues them, but the righteous, woo, mm. yes. bold as a lion. And I've seen mm. uh, a boldness that a lion uh, can produce up close and personal uh, three times. It's amazing. Well, it's funny that, you know, you were talking about day six in the wild man, wild man devotional. That's day six. Day six is being bold as a lion. That boldness is the trait of the righteous and the redeemed, you know, because why will we, we really actually have nothing to lose. I mean, that's just a great place to be. But you mentioned that that, that lion was 10 yards away. 
So yeah. if you know anything about firearms, which you obviously do, they can cover that ground in, oh, about two seconds. So you were at that moment where you had to make a decision. What? That's crazy. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's it was a do or die altercation. He came from about, he started his charge at about 50 or 60 yards, but the brush was so thick. We couldn't really I couldn't get a sight picture on him and stuff. I'm trying to pick him up and pick him up. And he's got this noise. It's just, and it's got this compression just coming in nanoseconds. And my hair follicles are standing up even as I tell you the story. And it's been five years ago. It's and crazy. then boom, he popped up. He popped out of the brush. And there he was. And I had a double rifle. And just bam, hit him in the, hit him in the chest. Then he turned. I shot, hit him in the shoulder. Then my professional hunter, he shot. He spun him up in the air. And by the time it was over, we'd shot. Uh, 12 times. Wow. Everybody's, why'd you shoot so much? It's like, well, the taxidermist can plug those holes in the cat. I don't know if he can plug the holes in me if the cat gets a hold of me. I don't care. Yeah. When it comes to this game, I keep shooting till they stop twitching. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, and so, you don't want to be the one on the wall. I mean, that would be a, that'd be embarrassing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, it was, it was incredible, man. It was, yeah, it's definitely That's crazy. That's crazy. That gets my adrenaline going a bit, right, even right now, just thinking about what that must have been like. Well, again, and, and uh, you know, sweet Jesus, you know, uh, oh. and the gentle Holy Spirit, uh, he said, if you're a recipient of the mm. re uh, imputed righteousness of Christ mm. to you as a sinner, then the resultant effect is uh, you're not going to go around wearing a cardigan. Mm. The resultant effect is you're going to be bold as a lion. That's yes. what you're going to be. Mm. I, I guarantee most, you know, most pastors like he's so sweet. I like him so much. Yes. He's so nice. Yes. I want to, I want somebody to say that dude's freaking bold, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Unafraid. If he knows that he's standing on the right side of uh, that, which is holy, just, and good, then yes, he's going to be hard to tackle. So, so how do you, okay. This is a, this is true stories, right? Most men like everyone else want to be liked. Right. And and there is a fear in most men that they'll say they'll say a strong opinion or a strong belief or they'll say something that people will go like, oh, wow, I didn't know that's what you thought. And they're worried about not being liked. Right. What do you say to a man that is in that tension? What do you say to them? Yeah, you're probably never going to really be used by God in a in a mm. big efficacious sense of the word yeah. until that stuff's crucified mm. and, and and God will put you through the most just uh, flesh torturing school. If you're yeah. a self cleaner and you want people to like you and stuff, I, mm. Jimmy, I was there, man. Yeah. I mean, it's like, look at me. I'm Sandra D. I've got 2 million followers. I've got a page reach of 10 to 20 million people. I have nothing now. Yeah. <laughs> And it's just, it, it's, it's weird. It's one of the coolest things that, that's ever happened to me. It mm. sucked so bad when it happened. We lost so much money. Mm. Didn't know what was going on, but God's like, Ooh, I'm cooking you right now. And <laughs> you just want to see what I you know, bring out of this stew, you know, three wow. or four years from now. And so, um, so that stuff has got to die. Like yeah. here's one of the greatest things that could be ever said of, mm. of uh, from God to a Christian. Uh, Jesus said that John the Baptist was great in the eyes of the Lord. Mm. I want to be, I don't care if I'm great in anybody else's eyes. Mm. I want God to say, you're a badass. 
That yeah. was that was great. You did what I wanted you to do. That yes. was great. That's yes. that's where you want the accolade to come from. Yes. Um, you look at the majority of uh, the people lauded in, in Holy Writ and stuff. Yeah. Nobody really liked them while they were tooling around on on this blue marble. But when they sprung off this mortal coil, they said, you know what? He or she really had something to say. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's the I mean, we're talking about from Jesus, the chief dragon slayer himself to all the apostles and especially the prophets. Mm. They got their reward in heaven. Uh, what they said made sense after they were gone. Mm. But, you know, while while you're on this side of the Bema seat, if you're really standing and speaking for God, people are going to think you're nuts. Yeah. And you're probably going to get more uh, trouble than you will rewards. Okay. No one says this anymore, Doug. I mean, I, I'm just telling you, there, I, I haven't heard that message in as long as I can remember. You know, we used to talk about living for the audience of one. You're not here to please men. You're here to please God. Almost no one talks about this level of courage and strength necessary to live this life and not really caring about what other people think as long as you're standing for truth and righteousness. Yeah, because they're taking, you know, their their cue and taking notes, you know, based upon, you know, what's hip and groovy in this current culture. Mm. Uh, I turn I turned 60 years old in a couple of weeks. I can't believe I feel like an 18 year old man. <laughs> but but my plane is landing, you know. I'm, yeah. I'm coming down. You know, there's, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know how many years I have, but I know eternity is a long time, mm. and uh, I want to, I want to make my father happy. I'm not worried about my salvation. Yeah, uh, Christ bought that for me on Golgotha. <clears throat> uh, what I want to do is make a maximum impact on this mm. planet, leaving a huge honking scar as big and as deep and wide as I can on Satan's haggard backside. Yes. And uh, in order to do that, you just can't play religious, toady, stupid games. Yeah. And I think um, a lot of pastors are still caught up in this whole big American gospel enterprise. Yeah. And uh, I'm not. Um, I'm caught up in him. I'm caught up in his word. Yeah. Uh, I'm terrified uh, to go down the road of, you know, religious branding mm. and trying to be somebody, mm. you know, it's. Yeah. I used to be there, man. I'm telling yeah. you, you know, yeah. I'd highlight my hair and I'd wear funky suits and Come take like, you know, action pictures of me preaching. It's like, I, I don't do that. I'm terrified, man. I'm so That's glad. I'm, I'm so glad I met this you rather than that you. Yeah, me too, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let me, let, let me wrap this in, with this question. And this is, I'm passionate about this because I've got three young sons yep, by young meaning 28, 26, and 23, just 23, and I've got a young daughter. You talk about who's 19 and she's a sophomore in school. On day 27 of your Wild Man uh, devotional, you speak directly to young men, and you talk about 1 Timothy 4.12, actually young people. And 1 Timothy 4.12 says, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but instead, uh, in speech, conduct, love, faith, purity, Show yourself an example of those who believe. And God used young warriors throughout scripture, didn't he? It is, is, this is a great place to end today. Is Give a message to our young men, our young women, about what they need, what they need to do today to, to make an impact, to, to leave that impact that, that lasts. Yeah, I'd number one, get off social media. Mm. You know, or, not, or not stay on it all day long. And uh, definitely don't, take notes while the Kardashians are, are speaking. Yeah. 
I, I just love the fact, man, that like I just finished this book called The Empire of the Summer Moon, which talks about mm-hmm. uh, the rise of Quanah Parker and the Comanche Indians and their big collision uh, with the Texas Rangers mm-hmm. uh, back in the mid 1800s. Mm-hmm. And one thing about both the both the Texas Rangers like Jack C. Hayes or Frank Hamer, who came later on and killed Bonnie and Clyde and all those illustrious dudes, <laughs> uh, both with the, the, the Rangers and the Comanches, the Comanches. If, when you were like 10 or 12, it's time to get yourself on, a, on your own pony and you're going to learn how to steal horses, kill buffalo, and yeah. kill the white mare. Mm-hmm. And then most of the Texas Rangers, uh, we think of these guys, you know, kind of like 40, 50-year-old white-hatted, white-shirt uh, yeah. you know, cowboys and stuff. Most of them were teenagers. And they were living Jeez. an adventure and a wild dream. Man, I would tell, I would tell your kids, I'd tell and, mm-hmm. and my kids, you know, we race in this way. Man, be bold, have a wild time, and live free, mm-hmm. and whatever that means. Yes, go on, go on radical missions. Disappear mm-hmm. in Syria for the mm-hmm. next two or three years, and I can hook you up. Mm-hmm. And you won't, you won't be saying, "Hey, Dad, my Christianity sure is boring." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, you mm-hmm. won't have that, and and just get away from the yes. typical. Whatever's typical, it's like ah, I'm done mm-hmm. with it. I think that call, right, to something bigger um, in a, is is compelling, right? It speaks to the heart of men. It speaks to the heart of young women. And I think that's what we want to do. We want to inspire them to something more than just getting your quiet time in the morning and then going about your day. So, Doug, this has been a this has been a great hour, man. That's a that's a hot hour, buddy. That is yeah, a great hour. Working. Yeah, thank you so much, man. Thank you for having me on, Jimmy. You're the best. Hey, let's keep in touch and let's make sure that our paths continue to cross. There's just so many opportunities, I think, to work together. And just I love being around like minded men. So thankful for your boldness, your testimony, the grit of what you say, how you say it. And uh, we've got a lot more work to do together. Appreciate you, man. Right on, buddy. God bless you, bro.